Okay, we ready? Just about. Let's go. on the the Bon Jovi Talk podcast we're back Uh, this is an interesting one this is with a guest who a lot of people have asked me to try and get on before Um, I sent a message the other day and we're doing it straight away so I'll let you introduce yourself do you want to say who you are and what you're about and get everyone happy yeah sure I'm uh, uh, Mitch LaFawn I I run the Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn show which can be heard on iHeart and Spotify and all kinds of great places and I have been a long-standing Bon Jovi fan going back to uh, Slippery When Wet is, of course, when I first really discovered them. Seen the band probably 20-sometimes, if not more, live. In fact, probably closer to 30 when I think about it. Uh, You know, I keep a 480-song Bon Jovi playlist in my phone at all time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm... Good to go. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Mitch LaFon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N. That's interesting because I messaged you the other day. And for some reason, I think because you do, like, the chart things on your Twitter, I always thought you was, like, a, a fan of Bon Jovi back in the 80s and 90s. I didn't realize you was you were still such a big fan. Oh, no, no. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. You know, I, I, I watch people badmouth John about, oh, it's not the same with Richie and so on and so forth. And... Yes, of course it's not the same with Richie. I mean, it's you know, it's it's also not the same with Alex, and it's not the Alec. Um, but I love I love what they do. You know, um, heck, I'm just looking at my uh, at my playlist now. I've got Broken Promise Land in the fifth spot. I've got I'm Your Man in the eighth spot. I've got Seven Years Gone, which is a Sambora solo. You know, up front. So no, I, I like I, I like all Bon Jovi, and I, I get tired of people bad mouthing the band. You know, um, if you like something, you can, you know, enjoy it. And if you don't like it, walk away, go somewhere else. There's no need to stick around and say nasty things just to say nasty things. It's it's ridiculous, quite frankly. Well, how did you get into the band? You said it was around Slippery. Was there a certain song? Oh, it's too? very simple. Uh, it's, uh, listen, I, I have a very specific memory of that, and I don't mean to cut you off. I was watching uh, the Canadian music television channel Much Music. And I've always been a huge fan of all kinds of rock, you know, from the Bon Jovis to the, well, before that, the Cheap Tricks and the Aerosmiths and the Huey Lewises and stuff. And I saw the video for You Give Love a Bad Name, and it just it just grabbed me. I loved everything about it. I loved the whole visual presentation. It had a very, you know, larger-than-life kind Because of, if you look back at the videos in the early 80s and stuff, a lot of it was very dreary and dark and introspective and you know and then bon jovi came out and there was uh not lasers what am i thinking pyro and stuff and the song i just i loved everything about it and i i saw that uh video and um you know i got the the daily newspaper and it said today on sale at discus uh bon jovi slipper when wet 5.99 you know five bucks 90 and i said all right you know what i'm gonna go to the mall and i'm gonna buy this cassette and if uh, You Give Love is the only song I like on it, for five bucks, what the heck? And I bought it, 
and I played it on the way home, and I enjoyed every single song of it, even Social Disease, which people seem to want to badmouth all the time. I just, and that was it. And that was it. And then, of course, they came to town not too long after with the Slippery Tour with, I'm trying to think who opened that in Montreal. I guess it was Cinderella. And it was it it it, it was everything I wanted in a, in a rock show. I mean, I was a Kiss fan back in the day, and I had seen Kiss in 79 and 80 and uh, 83 and 84. And, you know, there was the bombs and the bombast and the whole... And, and Bon Jovi did a, a good version of a kiss show (laughs) not to not to say that they weren't original but you know there was the the, there was the the moving around there was the uh the pyro so i was like yeah dudes i'm in and i just i've loved everything since you know i never abandoned the band never so what was so special about the the slippery red metal album for you was it the vocals the lyrics or was it just a combination of the whole the whole album back to back I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I was going to get back into rock. You know, for for many years, it, you know, the last years of the 70s, I was all about the Kiss and the Aerosmith and the Cheap Trick. And then, of course, at the turn of the 80s, Kiss, Aerosmith and Cheap Trick all lost members and just became sort of shells of their former selves. So I got into, you know, Rod Stewart's uh, infatuation and some guys have all the luck and Brian Adams uh, straight from the heart and, and Huey Lewis, uh, do you believe in love? And and so I had softened up my 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 rock approach, if you want. And then I heard that and the loud guitars and, and the voice and and it just worked. The whole package just worked. There was nothing particular. It just those songs pleased my ears. And having done, you know, two or three years of sort of softer rock, suddenly I was back into a, a bit of a harder edge rock. And I was like, yeah. And I, and I loved how everybody was calling, you know, Bon Jovi's heavy metal. Yeah. Which at the time I bought, you know, I was like, oh, I'm a big heavy metal fan. But, you know, when you look back on it now, you go, there's nothing heavy metal <laughs> about Bon Jovi or, or, or you know, mid 80s Def Leppard or you know, but uh, yeah. So, so for a while, Bon Jovi got me back into heavy metal. <laughs> so, with Slippery When Wet, you, you went and seen them on tour. You said, and then obviously the album after that was New Jersey, which for me is is even better than Slippery When Wet on a personal level. Um, was you a little bit nervous at the time whether Slippery could be like a one a one hit one type of album, or was you just prepared for another Bon Jovi album and it, it kind of took it to another level again? You know, I never thought of it as one hit wonder because most of the bands that I was listening to had pedigree. You know, Kiss had five, six, seven albums at that time. Aerosmith had five, six, seven albums. Uh, Cheap Trick had a few albums. So I- I've always liked bands, even if, you know, with the Rod Stewart, I've always liked bands that have had, you know, a catalog. So it never occurred to me that Bon Jovi might be a one hit wonder. And plus, after I discovered or I got turned on to Slippery, I, of course, do what I always do because I'm a completist. I went back, and I got 7,800, and I got the first one. And so, you know, to me, New Jersey was just going to be the fourth album. It wasn't going to be, oh, can they follow up? Yeah. You know, and and plus, with with, with much music and MTV and, and, and the whole atmosphere back then, there was no chance that I, that you could think that a band like Def Leppard or Bon Jovi or or Motley Crue or any of those that had the support 
whether they wanted to give the support or not, that's another question. But they had the support from the mainstream media. So you knew it was going to be a success. And, of course, when when they announced that they were coming to Montreal on the New Jersey tour and uh, they said Skid Row was going to open up, well, hello. I mean, at the time, that, that debut Skid Row album was magical. So it was just like, well, I get magical and I get Bon Jovi. Okay, I'm good. Well, I always like to hear everyone's impression of because I was born in 1993, so I, I obviously don't know about John Cutner's hair and, and things like that for the Keep the Faith album. <clears throat> Apparently, it was like massive news that John had changed his hairstyle and his colour and he kind of lost like this hair band, you know, long hair type of rock band. What did you think of the change after New Jersey with the little break and then they went into Keep the Faith where they just looked like a totally different band? Yeah, that's an interesting one because after New Jersey and they did that incredibly long tour that was almost like 300 shows or whatever it was, you know, 200 and whatever, uh, there was a lot of talk that the band had broken up. There was, you know, they had done a cover for Rip Magazine where John and Richie were on the cover, but they hated each other and they didn't want to talk to each other. And, and there was all kinds of rumors. I mean, obviously all this is rumor. I, I don't know fact in the fa in the sense that I wasn't in the room with them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when, when they announced that keep the faith was going to come out, it was like, ah, okay, good. And you have to remember, you know, beginning of the nineties music was changing and, and some of our heroes were, were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And, and, there was a little bit of the Seattle stuff coming in. And, and so when they said Bon Jovi, it was like, ah, oh, the savior is going to be back. And then you see that video and you see the hair and you go, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> what is that little Bob? <laughs> but, you know, listen, I, I uh, if you see my picture on Twitter, I'm bald now. But back then I always kept my hair very short. In fact, so short that whenever I would go to San Diego, which is a military town, people would literally salute because they thought I was, <laughs> they thought I was in the Navy. So, so when he cut his hair, you know, to me, that was, I, I thought it was fine because I, I didn't have the poofy. There's no pictures of me with poofy hair and hairspray that it didn't, it doesn't exist. I I've done the same consistent haircut or lack of hairstyle <laughs> since, since, the, since I was a kid. So, so, uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of stuff, and I know that, that girls around the time or girlfriends would go, oh, he's not cute anymore. Uh. It's like, yeah, oh, come on. Give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah, there, there, there were some people that were like, oh, I don't like the band anymore because he cut his hair. And it's yeah. like, well, what are you talking about? It's about music, you dumb. It's not about hair. But, yeah, it was a good look. The music kind of changed again slightly with the These Days album. It was more of a darker sound. And if I'm not mistaken, it kind of people say flopped in America. Um, whereas I think it just done really well in Europe and wasn't as good in, in America. Um, these Days is my personal favourite album. I think just every single song, lyrically and uh, musically, is just perfect. What are your impressions of the These Days album? It seems to be a fan's favourite. You know... I like the the sorry. I like the These Days album quite a bit. What I didn't like was in North America they had released it without sort of the these extra tracks at the end, which were All I Want Is Everything, Bitter Wine, and stuff like that. And when you get that full version, which I think they were selling in Europe or in Japan, 
it is a much better, more complete album. When you stop it after the, the 10th song or the 12th song and you don't have All I Want and you don't have Bitter Wine, it, it almost comes up short, but it, it is a great, great album. These Days, one of the greatest songs, This Ain't a Love Song. The only one that I've always found to be kind of hokey was Something for the Pain, and, and yet when I listen to it, I enjoy it. But when they put it out as a single, yeah. and I looked at, well, you've got Damned, you've got Hey God, you've got Something to Believe in, you've got Diamond Ring, and I'm going, you've got all these great songs, and you're going to pick Something for the Pain? Yeah. Like, oh, and I remember seeing the shows back in the day and they would play it. And I was like, I was like, really? You're not going to play She Don't Know Me or, or, or at the time Run Away. And you're not going to play those songs, but you're going to play something for the pain. What the, what are you doing? It's a, but no, it's, a, it's, it's a great album. And, and, you know, we, we got to hear more of Yui McDonald on that one. You know, the, the, the secret of Yui being on all the albums previously was starting to finally come out that, hey, you know, he's the bass player. Alec was just a puppet. Sorry, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> he was like the rock star, wasn't he? He had that rock look for the band, I think, Alec. Yeah, he had the look. Uh, he didn't have the chops. Yeah. Uh, again, I will I, I will state that I've heard through the grapevine, uh, because you know, I'm not in the room, but that... John just didn't like how Alec played and would cringe nightly on tour at the mistakes that he'd make. So I'm assuming that's true. Uh, and, you know, listen, you, you, you watch the band now with, with Yui or you, and it's, he's, he's much better. He's much yeah, better. He's, he's I mean, he looks like an accountant, but. Yeah. <laughs> so again, back, you know, they came back in 2000. And obviously they had the little break they done, John Ritchie done the solo albums again. And then yeah. back in two thousand they came back and, and the sound had changed, I'd say massively. Um it was It's My Life that got me into the band and you know, the whole Crush album. I grew up on the Crush album with my brother and, and things like that. So a, a friend of mine who's been a massive Bon Jovi fan since around the same time as yourself, he at first really didn't like Crush because it was that different to, to anything he did and obviously as I said, these days was quite a dark album with a couple of like real rock songs, and then they came back with Crush, and it was a little bit softer, a little bit more pop rock and charty. Did they have an effect on you? The, the sound of the change, you know, with the band, or again, was it just another Bon Jovi album that you kind of took to straight away? You know, it, again, they did the same thing in North America. They left off the bonus tracks the, for other markets like Neurotica and I Can Make a Living Out of Loving You, which were which I think make the album because without those songs, it's a very soft pedaled, you know, drudgy kind of, of album. But then you throw those two in there and, and you, and your ears perk up. But, you know, when I do a playlist, like I have this Bon Jovi playlist and you take these songs and you decontextualize them and, and, you know, put them into a different order with other songs around them, you know, you'll put runaway before mystery train or whatever. And and suddenly these songs perk up. It was it was a tough sell at the time. Um, I, I did. I mean, I, I'm trying to think. The Crush tour is where I first met the band, so that that was a very um, and that's a good story all by itself. I have to tell you that story. But but I, I loved it's my life. I mean, it's my life is as good as anything they've ever done. Um, 
and the the Japanese version of the album had them doing Runaway very very slowly. I don't yeah. know if you've heard that 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 bone. Now I've the reason I quote the band, the uh, Japan stuff is I always buy all my CDs from Japan. Been doing it for 30 years for many reasons. The manufacturing's better. The the sound is better. They seem to last longer. And of course, all the bonus tracks, whether it's a Bon Jovi bonus track or a Foreigner bonus track or a Kiss bonus track, whatever. They're, they're you know they're they're ripe with bonus tracks. And so, um, you take the Japanese version with Runaway that that version. You take Rocking in the Free World live, and you take all this stuff, and then you go. Yeah, this is a fun little package, but if you limit yourself to what was on sale, you know, at Walmart in Canada, it was kind of disappointing, quite, let's be honest. But uh, listen, I'm sold. I love all this stuff. So, well, I think that's kind of what a lot of people think is that since 2000, it was kind of downhill from there, which I don't think is so true because there's still some really really good songs from the band um and i think some shows you know 2008 to 2011 was a fantastic time personally to be a fan because we got all the rare songs back in the set list john sounded better than he has for 15 years or so um and i i think as i said before you know it's, it's kind of crush changed the sound but i don't really think certainly live i don't think it changed them at all i still think they went on to be a real rock band after that well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I've seen Bon Jovi, like I said, about 30 times. And the Crush shows, uh, you know, when they come to Montreal, they always play two or three nights. And out of memory, uh, the Crush shows were were sort of the more boring ones in the sense that it was just a, a sort of a two-hour power ballad extravaganza. But other than that, yeah, they, they never fail. Uh, you know the the, um, uh, the what are we, uh, what's the what's the last album uh, the 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 house, house is uh, not for sale. That's right. This house is not for sale. Sorry, right. I blanked on it for a second. <laughs> that tour was spectacular. You know they came to Montreal one night and they did I think thirty two songs. It's like how am I going to complain about that? Now I have to ask you though because the album that comes after is Bounce. And people always look at Bounce as being the, the the black sheep of the discography. I love Bounce. I think Bounce is a great album. You know, Undivided, Every Day, Hook Me Up. Um, what, what's sort of your take on Bounce? My take is that my brother kind of picked this out towards me. He said that the apart from Every Day, which I love as well, but every odd tracks so number one is undivided three is the distance five is misunderstood like every odd song on the album is better than the even song i think it sounds sounds mad but i just think the the odd songs on the album undivided hook me up um i think right side of wrong is is possibly number nine um but i think they're all they're all better whereas you've got the softer songs like joey all about loving you track four and six and i think it goes from a, a good high to a low to a good high to a low it's very 50 50 for me the bounce album all right well you know what i'm looking at it right now i'm looking at the track listing here so undivided is one terrific two is everyday terrific three distance terrific yeah. four is joey all right a little little less good but still good misunderstood is the single all About Loving You is six. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, you're right. Seven is Hook Me Up. Great song. Right Side or Wrong is eight. Love Me Back to Life. Bounce is 11. 
Yeah, all right. You might uh, no regrets is thirteen if you have the bonus tracks. Yeah. All right, you got a point. I think um, Love Me Back to Life was the one that I like number nine. Sorry, not right side the wrong. That's the one I like more, but it's very similar to the distance. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't know why, but I I I quite enjoyed that album. I, I really think it's it's a, a lost gem now. Uh, I'm trying to think what was going on back then. I mean, um, it, was, my, it coincided with 9/11, didn't it? It was like the album 9/11. And my wife was pregnant at the time with our first uh, child, so maybe there was some kind of, you know, positivity going on. Because I, I enjoyed that, and we and we actually went out to see a bunch of shows. One in State College, Pennsylvania, where we drove through blizzards. It's a ten-hour drive from here, and, and my lord, it, it was it was <laughs> it was trying as all heck. And we we made it. And uh, my wife was pregnant because it was in early March, I guess it was this show. And uh, that was the first time I got to meet Obi O'Brien. He was walking around the venue uh, with no care and just saying, hey, and we had a nice chat about Bon Jovi and what they were doing. So, you know, good, good memories for me around that album. Yeah, I mean, that was at the time I absolutely loved it because it was, I think when it came out, it was like nine years of age and any Bon Jovi song was fantastic in my eyes. But it's kind of as I've got older and listened to it a little bit more. But then, like, have a nice day caught me and then obviously after that was Lost Highway so what were your impressions of Lost Highway they called it like a country influenced album like a national influence again was it a, an album that made you think about you know is the band still the same band or did you like the fact that they were trying new things well I'll tell you what uh, I, I wasn't thrilled that they were trying new things and it is an album that needed to sit with me for a while but when you go because the first single you want to make a memory when that came out as as the single and it was so slow and so you know and I, I just thought oh really like come on man like I, I really disliked that song at the time but then I started hearing and you heard Lost Highway and you heard uh, we got it going on and you heard Summertime I love Summertime Summertime to me is a perfect, guess what, summertime song. <laughs> you know, you, you play that song and it puts you in a good mood. I don't care who you are. And if you want to say, oh, it's not the same as you give love. No, it's not the same. It's different, but yeah. it's good. Uh, you know, it took some time to, uh, to, to for me to get used to it. I didn't like the country twang to some of the stuff or, you know, the... And I didn't like their live performances on TV at that time where they had this girl come out with her violin and everything was sort of played in a minor key and it made everything very, very sort of sad. And, yeah. But going back again, you know, this is the thing. I'm, I have a revisionist history with, with Bon Jovi because you look at the, the time and place and you go, oh, but when you go back – and you do like I've done with this, with my crazy playlist, and you recontextualize the stuff, and you throw, you know, summertime next to whatever. She don't know me. Suddenly, they're just all Bon Jovi songs, and they just all work together. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, listen, they weren't the only ones. At the same time, Def Leppard were doing stuff with Taylor Swift, and they were appearing on Crossroads, and they were. You know, everybody was doing this sort of country stuff. And, I, and I've said this on air on my show many times. 
you know, Keith Urban, who's that massive country star, he's essentially Bon Jovi, but with a fiddle. And so, you know, everybody was getting into this sort of crossover country, rocky, rocky country thing. And, you know, it, it is what it is. It's certainly very, very, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009. That, that was that time of everybody wants to be a country star because that's what's on the charts. I think I think it's aged quite well. Um, I, I'm similar to yourself. I didn't really know what to make of it at first, but I think I listened to it again the other day, just a couple of songs, and as I say, like sometimes a pretty decent song. To be fair, and it was one song I really wanted to hear on tour because it was, you know, they were playing the UK in the summer, and it was lovely and warm. Um, any other day, I think, is one of their best songs potentially ever. To be honest with you. Um, as you said, making memory at the time, I was very similar to yourself. When it got released as a single, it just wasn't for me. Um, as an album track, I thought it would have been good, but as a first single, it just didn't get me at all. But as time's gone on, I think memory is such a good song. Yeah, and you know what? I, I have a lot of issues with a lot of the first singles that that some of these bands put out. You know, when, uh, when Def Leppard came back in 87, I guess it was, and their first single was Women. You know, you, you, you come off of fooling and photograph and all that pyromania stuff and you hear women, you go, really? What? You know, like they had poured some sugar on I me. Mean, they had uh, Armageddon and you go, and, and Bon Jovi's done the same thing. The only one, I guess, that's different was It's My Life, which I think was the first single. Yeah. No, that yeah. was the first single. That was a killer first track. And I think it also worked to their disadvantage because you heard that first track and you bought the album. And you went, all right, I'm going to get. 10 it's my yeah. life and then you get one it's my life and a whole bunch of other stuff and you go huh okay but on you know on on lost highway they put out you make you want to make a memory and you just go oh come on really it's gonna be so slow why so slow anyway it it listen it took a long time for me to like that song i i was very adamant for many years that that was the song I hated the most. And then, oh. you know, my wife goes, my wife goes, I love it. And then the lady at the radio says, I love it. And then I, I would say stuff on, on whatever Facebook and people go, no, I love that song. I go, why does everybody love this song? So I listened to it over and over again. I went, okay, I guess why not? But yeah, <laughs> at first. Oof. So after that, then, you know, there was the circle and, we got um, The Greatest Hits and, and What About Now. And What About Now was kind of the album where it was basically the end of John and Richie because Richie had a solo album out in 2012 and then they were straight back in the recording studio after doing such a long tour again uh, for The Circle and The Greatest Hits, you know, that didn't finish till mid-summer 2011. Um, and then, as I said, Richie done a solo album in 2012 and it was back in the studio and back on tour straight away in February 2013. And Richie left April 2013. About what um, about? Whoops. Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. The, uh, the, the uh, feed was squelching there. But uh, I will tell you this about What About Now. It has two of my favorite songs on there. Um, uh, that's What the Water Made Me. Yeah. That title. I looked at that title and I went, what the are they thinking? What a stupid title. And then I played the song and I went, yeah, I don't care. It's a really good song, yeah. <laughs> you know, what a great song. And again, 
the bonus track on the Japanese edition was Into the Echo. Brilliant song. I love that yeah. song. That Brilliant is song. such a great song. So, you know, people are like, oh, it's not to say Richie and, and John Shanks is unbon Jovi and blah, 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 blah. But you listen to that's what the water um, made me. And you listen to Into the Echo. And I can have it. I, have, I hear it playing in my head right now. Into the Echo is brilliant. I mean, it's, Into the Echo is brilliant. So, you know, um, nothing but good memories for that album, I got to say. Really? Uh, it's interesting that because for me, it was... I was I didn't I wasn't surprised that Richie quit. I'll be honest, I I, I just kind of seen it coming. You know, they done um, like a radio broadcast in London, and John kind of made a comment live on air about Richie saying that he wanted to watch an American football show or something instead of rehearsing, and you could kind of see a little bit of tension from from the pair of them on that show, and then within a month or two, you know, Richie goes. As you said there, you know, you're still under the, like, your opinion is, you know, well, yeah, it's not the same, but who cares? So, has anything changed towards your, um, how can I wear it? Has, has anything, your opinion changed of the band at all with Richie not being there? No, uh, not at all. Listen, he, he was an integral part. I don't think Bon Jovi would be Bon Jovi without Richie. I think if John had been a solo artist, using any random studio guitarist going back to, you know, 1982, uh, we wouldn't have Bon Jovi today. Uh, Richie was absolutely, absolutely important. But I think brand trumps band every time. Yeah. And, you know, you, you watch Aerosmith, who changed personnel at the beginning of the 80s. You watch Cheap Trick. You watch Kiss. You watch all these bands. Def Leppard have, have changed members. Uh, Iron Maiden, people go, oh, you, you have to have the original members. Really? Try Iron Maiden without Bruce Dickinson and see how, how that goes for you. Oh, yeah, original members. Really? Try Judas Priest without Rob Halford. Guess what? He wasn't the first singer. You know, so so change happens. Um, I think Phil does an incredible job live. I, I do think it is a little shameful. Uh, maybe that's too strong of a word, but it, it's a pity that they don't use Phil more when they record the albums. You know, it's it's pretty much John and John Shanks that 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 do everything. I do think if Bon Jovi made uh, in 2020 albums, or I'm sorry, um, band albums is what I was trying to say, where they brought in Richie and you and everybody and they sat down in a room and recorded together, I think we would get a better product. Um, but that said, you know, listen, Rick, Rick, Richie wasn't there. Uh, he, he he was absent towards the end. He, he decided to not show up for a show in Calgary. He just, oh, I'm not going to show up. You can't run a band and deliver a high product if you've got, you know, your car's not going to drive if the fourth tire has a flat. And, and um, as much as he was integral and as much as I love him, I'm fine with Phil. Now, if you said to me tomorrow, Richie's coming back and they're making a new album and a tour... Yeah, I'd be thrilled. Of course I'd be thrilled. I don't hate Richie. That'd yeah. be silly to say that. Yeah. But life goes on. You know, you get new girlfriends, you get, you know, you get you get new shoes, you get you just get new stuff. And that's what happens. And it happened. And Phil is is very competent and you know, an accomplished guitarist. He sings like a mother. So good for him. And um 
Are we going to talk about Burning Bridges at all, that album? Of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that's a personal highlight for me, I'll be honest. I want to talk Burning Bridges because here's an album. It was supposed to be the last one for, for Universal or Mercury, whatever they call it. And it really had an FU kind of feel to it. Like, we're just going to dump these random demos or this random garbage on you. And at first, I bought it. Again, Japanese bonus track, the whole thing. And the packaging was not there. And it was just, it, it really looked like a bootleg. But then you hear a song like Fingerprints. And you go, wow, that is one of the greatest songs they've ever written. And then you hear I'm Your Man. And then you hear We Don't Run. And you go, huh. For a guy that was PO'd with the record company, he certainly delivered some high-quality stuff here. I mean, Fingerprints is brilliant. I, I, I would assume you love Fingerprints. Yeah, like that's probably... I was doing... I Someone asked me to do like a, a breakdown of all the songs the other day, and I was ranking them. And I think Fingerprints on that album was like third or fourth for me. But the one song that really blew me away was um, Who Would You Die For? Like them vocals at the end are just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And I never thought... I mean... I don't know when it was recorded or, you know, when John done them vocals, but I don't really care because it's just, it literally, and it still does every time I listen to it now, I'm still like, wow, like, that's like, that's the Bon Jovi that I know, that, you know, where they just have that element of surprise in, in a certain song. Yeah, no, that, that, that album, I mean, other than the cover looking like, you know, not nonsense and, and, it, and the booklet and the whole thing has a bootleggy feel to it. There is some great material on there. There is some truly great material on there. And I think, uh, should we get a 2020 tour or a 2021 tour, I guess, at this point, uh, it, it might be time to throw that one in there. And, I, 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 you know, maybe a whole five-minute spot on it would be too much. But, you know, do do whatever slow song you're doing and – Work it in as a, a bridge in the middle and then, you know, slice it in and slice it out and, you know, give people a taste. I, I think I think fans would love it, honestly. I think it's I think it's a great, great track. Well, before what I noticed, what you said, you, I think you said, like, I'm your man's like your six number song on your, your playlist. And I put a tweet out about two weeks ago saying that I think I'm your man is one of the most underrated Bon Jovi songs ever. I agree. It's It's just... Uh, I just love the, the music, the riff. I just think it's such a good song. Very, very underrated. Well, if we're going to get into uh, underrated songs, then we have to get over to This House Is Not uh, For Sale because Knockout, Roller Coaster, Born Again Tomorrow, um, uh, even This House Is Not For Sale. Come on. Now, now we're talking underrated Bon Jovi songs. You're, you're going to tell me that Roller Coaster or Knockout or Born Again Tomorrow ain't as good as something they did in the 80s? Because I can tell you, there's a few songs in the 80s that don't match up to those ones. See, Knockout has never been one of mine, but Roller Coaster I think is fantastic. And, and I'm I'm a big, big fan of Born Again Tomorrow as well. Uh, whereas a lot of fans aren't. They dislike it, which is, to me, a baffling, really. Well, that means they're just not fans. <laughs> I think, but I think the whole album is underrated. I think you know, people use the whole it's Richie's not there influence. You know, I think they had that impression before the album got released, to be honest with you. Again, the, the, the whole Richie is not there thing. I mean, you know, 
respectfully get over it. Uh, he's not there. There are no plans for him to come back anytime soon, So, you, which leaves you with two choices. You can either enjoy what's there because it's not going to be there forever. You know, the, the chances of a Bon Jovi tour in 2035 are probably slim to none. So the, the time is ticking. So as it ticks and we get down to zero, you can either bitch and moan or you can just say, hey, you know what? Listen, it's not 1986 anymore, but they're still here. Let me go enjoy the last seven years of their career. Let me go enjoy the last, you know, um, the, the, the Rolling Stones and Bo Diddley's and Chuck Berry's of this world are the exception. There's not a lot of bands that are going to keep going. So so on all these bands, whether it's Kiss or Alice Cooper or Def Leppard, we're, we're into our last decade with these bands around. And then they will soon fall into the category of Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra and all that stuff. So you can either choose to bitch and moan for a decade or you can just say, listen, it's not what it was, but it's still there. And I still like the songs and they're still performed at a high level. Let me go enjoy it. And and remember, before you start criticizing the band, you know, you're not what you were back then. You know, I, I know for, for me, I can't run as fast. My back hurts all the time. You know, I, I can't throw as well. So, it, you know, they're, they're just as human as me. And so they're slowing down and it's not the same. And then just, you know, get over the whole, oh, Richie's not there. You know, well, Ace Fraley's not there. So what? Yeah. You know, Kiss is still a great show, you know. Anyway, that's my that's my point. I I don't like the negative nonsense. I think it's good because in in 2018, obviously they got inducted to the Rock and Roll Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it was you know kind of a comfort blanket, let's say, for some people because he was back for just that one show and it was exciting. But you kind of got the impression that was it. After that, there was never any any talk or anything. And I think that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was probably the best thing to happen for them because yeah they got to play together with each other again and then that was it now we now we do move on and this is the first album where there's no talk of Richie at all you know in 2016 it was still up in the air I think it's good now that we're going to get something where it is just fresh again yeah and you know the uh I I did get a chance to uh, to speak to Phil X I did an interview with him um as they were making 2020 and he was saying that on this one, he was going to be playing a lot more. Instead of one or two tracks, he was going to do six or seven or, or a higher, certainly a higher number. So I'm looking forward to to the album. I'm looking forward to hearing what they've got. Now, it's, it's too bad that it's been delayed. Um, I don't I don't see the purpose in delaying albums. You know, I understand the marketing point of you want to have an album tour cycle and you want to put the album out and then do the tour. But I really think, perhaps wrongly, that first of all, with everybody in lockdown, you have a captive audience. Um, maybe producing physical product in a, in a record plant or whatever is complicated because people can't make physical. But you can certainly enjoy, enjoy the digital and you have time to sit and enjoy the album like you would when you were you know, 12 years old and you had nothing else to do and you played the whole thing. So you have that. And honestly, I, I don't think bands, and I keep repeating the Bon Jovi's and the Defla, I don't think their concert sales have anything to do with new music. Quite frankly, I think Bon Jovi could release nothing for the next decade 
and could tour every summer and play every shed in America and every stadium in Europe. And nobody would say, hey, man, it's been five years. Nobody would care. They would hear you give love a bad name and lay your hands on me and want a dead or alive or whatever songs are in the playlist set list. And they'd go, oh, man, that was great last night. So, uh, you know, delaying the album because it does it has nothing to do. I mean, come on, John, it has nothing to do with a tour. If you're a new band, you know, you're you're Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts. Great band, by the way. You should check them out. Uh, uh, yeah, of course you need some product because you, you're, you're going on tour and you're playing a, 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 you know, a bowling alley for, for 15 people and they hear a couple of songs they like. They might want to buy one before they leave, mostly probably out of guilt that nobody else, that you didn't get 100 people in the bar. Um, bon Jovi's not the same. And, you know, so, some of these bands do tie in the, you get a free CD when you buy a ticket. Well, yeah, the purpose of that is to get on the Billboard charts because now they've they've done this tour, million people bought tickets, million people got a quote unquote free CD, which is actually not free. It's actually worked into the price, and suddenly Billboard goes, "Oh, you've got a million seller," and it's like, yeah, but the math is a little fudgy, you know. It's, <laughs> you're playing with the numbers, but listen, Journey did it, uh, Prince did it. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think you two did you two do it anyway? There's a bunch of bands do it, and it gets, you know, to to be number one on Billboard now, you need to sell like forty thousand albums, whereas back in the day, you needed to sell half a million. So, so all of a sudden, you've you've got this. To, Metallica did it actually with um, Hardwired to Self Destruct. So all of a sudden, you're number one on Billboard, and does does it really matter? Does anybody really care who's number one on Billboard? I, th I think it's more important if you're number one on YouTube, quite frankly. Yeah, that's true. Well, we've already heard, I keep saying this to people, we've already heard a fifth of the new album anyway, because what's, what was meant to be the track list was 10 songs, you know, obviously, unless they edit it now. Um, and we've heard Unbroken and we've heard Limitless. And Limitless is still classed as the first single, even though we got that after Unbroken. So... What are your impressions of them two songs? Have you heard them yet? I have. And uh, I might have to wait for the revisionist history on this one. Uh, the uh, the unbroken one, which I think was the tribute to the military, whatever. Yeah. Personally, right now, I think it might be the worst Bon Jovi song I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, maybe in 10 years from now, after I have it and I've ingested it and I've decontextualize it and stuck it in my playlist between two classics maybe but right now i'm like Ugh, what is that it, it listen it, it's it's awful i mean it's awful yeah i'm not a so, fan of it at all sorry people yeah <laughs> i know i know somebody out there might be a might be a fan and by the way the um this house is um, not for love why do i keep screwing that one up but the uh, the the live version which I thought was a very strange concept that they would release a live album right after the release of the album. Um, but you know what? I enjoyed that. I, I, I enjoyed that live album. I enjoyed some of the banter between the songs. I enjoyed some of the uh, different arrange live arrangements to, to the, to the tracks. I don't know if you've heard it, but I, I thought that was. A, yeah. A well, I, I actually went to that show. Uh, I got oh, wow. to, I managed to get tickets for it. And I was like, I come away. Because it was so different, it was so intimate. Um, you oh, know, right, John, it was in London. 
Yeah, John, John wasn't jumping around or anything. It was, he was just singing, having a good laugh with everyone, you know, doing like you know a couple of jokes in between. And I, I still think it's one of one of my top three shows that I've been to, to be honest with you. Wow. Okay, so I, I'm going to ask you some questions then. Now I'm going to be the interviewer for a okay. change. So, <laughs> so we we heard the album, and obviously we know it's not exactly. Uh, the night because they edit it for time it has to fit onto a single disc and so on so we know that but were were there retakes did they do any song twice to get it right did they uh was there a whole bunch of banter that we didn't hear did did they throw in wanted dead or alive and living on a prayer and they they just didn't put that on the album because it would it would deviate from the concept well what was sort of that evening like yeah well i I actually don't listen to the the album that came out. I've got a, a recording of it from a friend, um, which has in between every song, John was saying a couple of speeches and a couple of jokes. Whereas there's nothing like that really on the album. It's edited out a lot. All hail the king. Um, John had to retake because he he said he was getting emotional, um, so they they had to redo that. Um, That's nice. I think I remember Bad Medicine got played, and I think off the top of my head, it might have been. Who says you can't go home or lost highway or something? Now, um, now, like, can we talk about bad medicine for a second? Yeah. To me, that's that's a little bit like Def Leppard's Rocket. It's it's a good song. I enjoy the song. I enjoy it on the album. But is it not time to retire it? I mean, it's it's there's a lot of better songs out there. I mean, yeah. it's you know, it was perfect in 1989, and and Rocket was perfect in 1987. But there, those are two songs that. I think are just bigger than what they really are. Yeah, you know, when they, in like 2011, when they brought it, when they carried on playing it, but they had like the juice box. I really liked it because it, it brought something different to the song. But now it's just one of them songs where I'm like, I've heard it at every single show. It's not up there as one of the classics for me. I mean, I know it's a classic, but you you know what I mean. It's not. It's not yeah. a living on a prayer that everyone goes to it's, hear. It's a classic that's not classic. Yeah, yeah. And it's and the uh, live I mean, version with Shout and all the medley, it's like, oh, all right, can we just have the three-minute version? Like, do we need the 12-minute version for the last 28 years? Like, stop. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely, um, it's not a song that I, I look at the set list and I'm made up. They're still playing it. Like, Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, well, I know where I can go pee. It's like, yeah. it's like this, you know. <laughs> Kiss do this song "Lick It Up," which is a great song, but live they they cut it in with uh, "Won't Get Fooled Again" by the Who, and the first time you heard that in whatever year it was, you go, "Wow, that's great," but now like 25 years later, you're like, "All right, already we get it. I don't need the 12 minute version." And the same thing with Bon Jovi. The first time I heard them and they did "Shout," and and then a shout, you go, "Wow, that's great," and now they're still doing that. It's like, "All right, all right." Let's just go back to the single. Let's go to the radio edit version. Let's go to three minutes and 33 seconds, please. Let's get it in, get it out. We don't need to stretch this mother any longer. You know, stop it. And it's kind of at the same position in the set list for a long time as well. You kind of know when it's going to get played. It's always just before the encore now. And it, I don't know, it's just very samey for me, Bad Medicine. Oh, yeah, I agree. But I'll, I will say this about a Bon Jovi set list. That is one thing that has kept me coming back because they won't hesitate to change it. You know, you, you can go see them three, four nights in a row, even in different cities. And there will be some cosmetic changes to the set list where 
you know, living on a prayer will be first tonight rather than last, where you give love a bad name will be the sixth song rather than the last song, where, you know, oh, suddenly Runaway is going to be played slow rather than played fast. And and they do enough what I call cosmetic changes because they're not a wholesale change. They don't change 15 songs, but there's enough little little fixes that you go, okay, I, I can I can justify paying for two, three, four shows in a row because, or in a year, because I know that I'm not going to get the same experience there. You know, Bon Jovi is not cookie cutter when it comes live. Yes, you look at it and you look at the songs and you go, but even the way they'll play Living on a Prayer, some nights they'll give you a short version, some nights they'll give you an extended version, some nights they'll give a speech, some nights there's no speech. Like, it's not the same, hey, everybody, all right, here's Living on a Prayer, next. Here, you know, so I, I respect that in the band. Well, that's a good point that you made because in the summer I went to see them four times in six days. Um, I got to see the two Dublin shows, Liverpool and Wembley, and I was quite nervous for the, the two Dublin shows in particular because my friend went to see them in uh, Madison Square Garden a couple of months before, and both shows, he said, were identical in the main set. Um, one of the reasons that I wanted to do the both shows in Dublin was in the hope that we get a couple of different songs. And thankfully we did. We got six or seven. And it did. It made me, even though they might not be the best songs in the world, it still made me think, you know what, at least they're actually mixing it up because there's a lot of bands out there who will play the same set list every single night, no matter where they are. Oh, yeah. A lot of bands. Um Boy, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm a, a Debbie Downer on all of these, but uh, I love Poison, but their their set list has been very, very same for many years. Uh, you know, Def Leppard, they they will change songs on a tour to add in a new single or a new, uh, you know, a new something. But once they're on tour, that entire tour is the same 17 songs, you know, so the, the 2003 tour might be a little bit different than the 2005 tour, but if you see them in March and then you go see them in December, you're getting the exact same show down to the exact, you know, um, uh, I, I, I saw three or four Def Leppard shows in 2019 and a friend and I took out our, our cell phones and we timed it. And we looked at her, and it's like at 8:19 this song starts, at 8:27 this song starts, and in every city, it was right on the nose every night. And I was like, "Fudge, they are timed, man. They are precise." Yeah. Well, how many times did you go and see Bon Jovi on the the latest tour that this house is not for sale tour? That's a good question. I think I saw four of them. They they played Montreal. Well, I, th I saw every Montreal show, so I'm I'm pretty sure there was four or five, and and I'm trying to think if I saw them anywhere else this tour. I don't think so, but I saw every Montreal show, and I and I know they came multiple times. In fact, I will uh, I will look it up uh, right now. Um, you know, um, but yeah, so so at least four. Am I right in thinking that Montreal was the one where they played uh, "Asleep and I'm Dead" as the opener, and John walked through the crowd? Yeah, that that's right. That was the uh, that was in May of 2018, and and I actually, if you go on my Twitter feed and look back to May 18th, 2018, I filmed that. Oh, did and you? I did. And John walked right in front of us. And the the funny thing about that is, 
um, I'm very familiar with the the Bell Center and the people that work there. And they said, when the show starts, don't look at the stage. Look at the back towards the soundboard. And I was like, now why would I want to do that? That seems weird. And he popped out from uh, the soundboard, from, from behind where the soundboard is, actually. And yeah, he came, he came walking through the audience and did I'll sleep when I'm dead. So if you go to at Mitch Lafon on Twitter and you somehow can, you know, Google it so you can get the May 18th thing, you will see some video of that show and of him walking through the crowd doing that. It was, it was, it was, it was spectacular. Yeah. I think that something like that just really adds a, a new element to the show because he went to uh, Australia a few months later and done exactly the same thing. He walked right from the back of the arena and he was filmed walking through. It was like a boxer's ring walk. It was amazing. He was just like, you were filming him from his dressing room, you know, getting all psyched up and then just walk through the crowd and, you know, started with you give up a bad name. And I was, I was really hoping that that would we'd have some elements of that in the UK. But it was just, I think something like that just really adds a little extra to a show. It does, and and you know here here's what I'm talking about with the uh, the tweaks. So uh, and I I pulled up both dates. So on on May 17th they played the Bell Center, and I went. They started off with this house is not for sale, on to raise your hands, uh, you give love a bad name, whole lot of leaving going on, and then the next night they do I sleep when I'm dead when he walks in. Yeah. They do I, I you give love a bad name second. They do this house is not for sale. So so. Are they playing some of the same songs? Yeah, but they're changing where they come. So that means there's different uh, cues. There's different staging. So, you know, because everything, you know, you have your lighting rig and you have your pyro. So just by moving the songs around, you've got to move that production around. And so therefore, since the production's moved, it's not the same show. It might be the same songs, but it's not the same show. And unfortunately, a lot of bands will give you the same show night in, night out. You know, song three is song three, song seven is song seven. You know, the lighting cue, the pyro cue, the fire, the flame, it's all the same every night. And because John moves stuff around, you get different stuff. You know, you. Um, I'm, I'm just looking here at the uh, the, the, the May 17th one. You're, you're getting uh, God Bless This Mess, Captain Crash. You didn't get it the other one. Um, they gave us these days. So no, it's, it's uh, when we were beautiful was a tour debut that that night. So it's uh, that's the great thing about John is that you can go to these two shows back to back and it's two completely different shows. It is. And as I said, I was I was a little bit worried because the Madison Square Garden one, apart from the encore, was was identical. And it's quite rare that Jovi do that. And I was thinking, I hope hoping that he's not going to go, you know, down that road where he plays it safe and then it's the encore that gets, you know, a, a song. But thankfully, apart from that, I don't think there's anything too similar. But what I do want to ask you is, um, and John's, John's mentioned this. Here, by so. the way, I, I just typed in uh, on Google, Mitch LaFon Bon Jovi Twitter, May 18th, 2018, as, as a search. And the first thing you see is, uh, you, you, well, you see my videos. They, they pop right up at the top of the page, and it says, uh, Mitch LaFon on Twitter, let's watch John Bon Jovi walk through. So uh, it's there. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I'll have a little look. Cause that, as I said, that's a real highlight for me when I watch that back again, just because it was a different song as well as an opener. I'm not even a massive fan of I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, but 
just even as an opener, I'd take it any day just because it's it's different. Yeah, so you you can uh, you can Google that and it comes right up. In fact, there are three videos that night. There's uh, I Die for You and Blood on Blood as well that I put up. So a little look at them definitely. Uh, one thing I want to ask you is, and as I said, John's kind of already mentioned this himself in God Bless This Mess um, under This House Is Not For Sale album. He said that, obviously, his voice is shot now. Um, I want to get your impression. Obviously, you've been a, a much longer fan than I have, and you've seen them in their heyday and, and everything else. And obviously, with age, you know, as you said before, you know, we can't run as quick as we can and things like that. But... I just want to get your thoughts on John's vocals these days. You know, do you notice it at the show yourself, or is it, you know, even on the albums, have you noticed the change in his vocals? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there is a, a definite change in his vocals. He, um, how can I put this? He, he seems to more uh, speak, sing, rather than sing, sing, if if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he, he sort of talk, talk sings, and... Uh, you know, I'm fine with that. It it's it adds a different flavor to to what he's doing. And again, you know, your vocal cords are our muscles. Uh, you know, you can't run as fast. You can't throw as fast. Why would you expect to sing as good? Uh, but it's okay. Listen, they they've they've adapted. I think that's one of the reasons why we get a lot of the slow songs, other than the fact that you know he wants to be a star of hot AC and adult contemporary and stuff. But yeah, listen, there, there's a change. Um, but I think Mike Trampa, White Lion, uh, summed it up best when he said to me, he goes, if you want to hear Mike Tramp sing like he was 28 years old, go watch YouTube. I'm not 28 years yeah. old anymore. And that's the same thing with John and with Paul Stanley and with Steven Tyler and with all the guys. If you want to hear them at 28, go watch YouTube. Otherwise, I don't want to say lower your expectations, but just go in understanding that, listen, it's not 1986 anymore, and it's unfair to expect it to be 1986. But remember, we're down to the last six, seven, eight years. There will not be an Alice Cooper tour in 2032. There will not be a Kiss tour in 2032. You know, how much more time do we have with Bon Jovi? Soon they will be Frank Sinatra. You know, you look at your mom or your dad and you go, oh, I loved Frank Sinatra and Elvis. And you go, good, let's go see them in concert. You can't. Yeah. And we're going to be there with Bon Jovi soon. So just take what you got. Take it. Enjoy it. You know? What I want to ask you, I usually, when I have, the, you know, different guests on, I always like to end with a couple of questions. So it's more uh, your personal preference. So... The first one I want to ask you is, what are your top three Bon Jovi shows? You know, can you remember the year and, and why? Why are they your top three? Wow, uh, top three Bon Jovi shows. That's a good one. Um, <clears throat> definitely the, the first one I ever saw with Cinderella because it was just, uh, boy, that was Montreal in um, 87, I guess it was. 86, 87. Uh, just because I had, you know, discovered them on much music. I saw that you give love a bad name. I bought the cassette for five ninety nine. This was a whole exciting thing. And oh my God, Cinderella's opening up. Um, I don't know how it was in the rest of the world, but it, in Canada, uh, the promoters used to put a lot of 
local bands on bills. So you'd go see a band, like uh, you'd go see Kiss, and they have the headpins on. You go, I don't care who the headpins on. You'd go see another band. Toronto was opening. You go, I don't care about Toronto. Like These are Canadian bands. And so this was sort of one of these shows where you got Cinderella, which I would have paid to go see alone, and you got Bon Jovi. It's like, oh, that's a nice package. So that's got to be the first one. Um, then there was a show... I'm trying to think what tour it was. God, it must have been. Uh, boy, I'm trying to think which tour this was. Uh, hold on here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back in 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 my Bon Jovi uh, statistics here. But I went with my wife. It must have been. Um, hold on. Give me one second to look this up. Actually, because I I need to be precise in this. But um, let me see here. Yeah, it must have been the the Lost Highway tour, where they played like thirty two songs. It, it it was it was like a three and a half hour show, and I was like, wow. So so there's definitely that one, uh, and you know, but pretty much any Bon Jovi show I've seen in in Montreal ha has just been fantastic, and that show that I described before in State College, Pennsylvania, on the Bounce tour. <clears throat> that one was also great because of, of the whole adventure to get there, the 10-hour drive, the blizzard, the snowstorm, meeting Obi O'Brien. Um, okay, you know what? Here, here's another good one. The Crush Tour Show in Quebec City. Now, this was a good one. It was in spring, and Quebec in spring is still cold. People usually wear jackets and so Anyway. I drove up super, super early uh, to this Colisee Pepsi, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this story. Uh, give me one sec. And um, I drove up early because the venue, if you got there early, wouldn't put the gates down, and you could park for free. And if you got there after a certain time, they would put the gates, and you'd have to pay 25 bucks, which back then, uh, for me, was a lot of money. So I drove up early. And I had these black shorts on, and I looked like a roadie and all that. And I got to the venue, and everybody in Quebec speaks French, right? Yeah. I drove in, and I'm hanging around, and I'm seeing them load stuff in. And they're, they're loading in equipment, and so and I, I it's a three-and-a-half-hour drive, and I, I got to pee. So I say to the, to the security guard back there, I say, um, hey, where's the bathroom? And, of course, I'm speaking English, so he must think I'm with the band. I've got these black shorts on. I look like a roadie, a black hoodie. I look like a roadie. He goes, oh, it's it's down to the right. And I go, mm, okay. So I go down to the right, and now I'm in the tunnel. And the band's there, and the people are there, and people are milling around. Now, I don't say anything, but uh, what, I, what I did for the rest of the day is I walked back and forth in that tunnel looking sort of busy. And so the security guards saw my face all day, right? I don't have a pass, right? no pass. I'm just walking around all day. And uh, I go through the, the player's tunnel, it's an NHL, you know, a hockey rink. I go through the, the player's tunnel and I watch sound check. Now, Bon Jovi sound checks are closed. So I went in and I watched sound check. And because I've been there all day, nobody says a thing. Wow. Nobody says a thing. So I watched the I watched the sound check. The, you know they did a couple of songs, 
I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, they did like uh, John Cougar Mellencamp's Pink Houses or something. If, if, I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, they were just doing a whole bunch of weird stuff. Anyway, so I go up and down the, the player's tunnel all day and the show starts and I don't go outside of the venue. I don't I don't check in. I don't use my ticket and I watch it from the player's tunnel. So I, I'm basically, you know, stage right uh, for the entire night. You know, uh, but on the floor, not on the actual stage. And I watch this whole show, and it's great. And the show ends, and I walk through the tunnel, and I was going to go out through the tunnel back to my car. And a security guard stops me, and I go, well, listen, I've been here for 12 hours, so I don't care. But he stops me, and he goes, no, 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 you're going the wrong way. That goes outside. You want to go this way. And I went, oh, yes, of course. I want to go this way. So they lead me. He leads me to a room, and I go into the room, and there are about 30 ladies that look of the stripper pedigree. <laughs> and I'm standing in this room, and these ladies are in the other corner. I'm going, well, I'm not going to go talk to them because they're going to be like, you're – you know. So I just held stay back, and, and then Huey uh, McDonald walks in. And he goes, yeah, this is not for me. And he stands next to me and he starts talking to me. And then Dave Bryan walks in and he goes right over to the ladies. And Tico Torres walks in. And he goes right over to the ladies. And um, Richie never shows up. No, Richie. But, you know, so so you and I are standing basically right by the door. And the door opens and John walks in and he basically bumps into me. And he goes, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And I go, hey, John, how's it going? And he goes, great, great, great. And we shake hands. And then he he looks to the to the right and he sees the ladies and he goes, oh, and he turns around and he leaves. Right. Now, Tico and David, they don't leave. They're there. So for the next hour, hour and a half, I'm just talking to you, McDonald. We're just talking about, hey, man, hey, how's it been on the tour? Just having this grand old conversation as if we've known each other for a hundred years. At no point does anybody say, "Who the f are you?" <laughs> Nobody says anything. So I'm, I so I'm talking, and I finally, you know, finally the band, you know, knock knock on the door. The bus is rolling, or whatever. The plane is leaving, or the whatever it was. Uh, they, they, everybody leaves, and I'm the last one in, and, and so I, I, I walk out. Now this is this is the crush tour, you know. We don't have cell phones with date time and. And I get back to the car, and the parking lot is empty, not a soul to be seen, pitch black. And I and and, and I have a I have to drive back to Montreal. I have a three and a half hour, and I look, and it's two in the morning, and I'm like, holy fuck! I have been here for fourteen hours. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's checked my ticket, and it, it was just the most spectacular. Okay, that's the number one show. That has that. That was the most spectacular evening, day, afternoon, ever. You know, and I learned a lot from that day. First of all, if you act like you belong, they will generally leave you alone. Uh, and second of all, if you go to Quebec and you go look like a roadie and you speak English, chances are they're just going to let you in the venue. And you know what? <laughs> A couple of years later, I went to see White Snake Scorpions Dawkin. 
and I did the same thing, and I got the same results. No so, way. <laughs> yes. So, oh now, Lord. since I was, you know, 15 years ago, uh, the, the Dawkins show or whatever was 2003, I guess. But, yeah, apparently if you go to Quebec City and you show up super, super early and you speak English, they're just going to let your ass in. And, oh. and, and yeah, so, so that was how I got to meet and shake John Bon Jovi's hand. And yes, folks, I have washed my hands since. <laughs> uh, but I never got to meet Richie. You know, he, he, he wasn't, he, he, apparently he just, uh, he, he didn't want to have anything to do with quote unquote that scene. Okay. Fair enough. But I did uh, get to interview Richie years later. So I've had, I've had a momentary connection with Richie by phone. But other than that, that that crush tour in Quebec City might be my greatest rock story ever because it was just so incredibly bizarre. And um, yeah, I got to watch the sound check and it just it was great. I mean, I got to watch another Bon Jovi sound check a little bit later. Um, I had gone to Ottawa at the I believe it was the Corel Center at the time. And I was a concert photographer and I showed up early and they let us in and I got to sit and watch. And then eventually, uh, as we were sitting and watching soundcheck, I, you know, I saw two, three songs and then somebody came over and go, hey, it's a closed soundcheck. You're not supposed to watch this. So then we went back to the tunnel and heard the soundcheck, you know. Um, but that crush tour. With all due respect, I was nobody. Now, I meant no harm. I wasn't some kind of crazy fan who was going to try to do anything. Yeah. I, I really literally just needed to pee, but my need to pee became the greatest rock story in my life, I think. So no, that was that was that was quite phenomenal. And man, I, I, I've been trying to set up an interview with you, McDonald, since there, since then, so that I could say to him, Hey, you remember that time? Now he won't remember the time. Nobody because you know, but I want to be able to tell him that story because that's the greatest Bon Jovi story. In my life, at least. That, that so, is unbelievable. Yeah, so the, the Crush Tour show in Quebec City is definitely it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, those are the ones. The uh, State College one on the Bounce Tour, because of the incredible length it took us to get there. I mean, we, we literally fought the devil <laughs> to, to get to that fucking show. Sorry for the swearing. Uh, and the uh, uh, that that one tour in Montreal where they just played forever. Uh, and I'll have to look that up, what night that was. And then, of course, uh, the Slippery Tour, the New Jersey Tour with Skid Row was great. Uh, just, just a lot of great, you know, a lot of great memories. A lot I'm of great memories. I'm intrigued. Where, where, where did you stand to, to watch that show for the Crush Tour one then when you was part of security, but you wasn't part of security? Well, I, I, I did mention it. I, the, there, there was the players. Uh, oh, the tunnel, yeah. Tunnel. So I went to the lip of the tunnel, which is where, you know, the hockey players bench would be, where the hockey players would sit. But, of course, there's no hockey players because there's a Bon Jovi show. And I just stared out of the tunnel. Now, the tunnel put you essentially stage right. So it would be, you know, it was a little off. So maybe equivalent of like second row to the to the to the left of the stage from the audience perspective but the right of the stage so yeah no i was i mean i I basically had richie sambora in my face the entire night 
It was spectacular. It was the most spectacular thing ever. And, I, and I'm telling you, my memory is, and maybe I'm wrong, but my memory is that they sound-checked Pink Houses by John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, it was great. It was just, it was fantastic. That is, that's an unbelievable story. That's like, that's kind of what every Bon Jovi fan dreams of, really, to be honest. Yeah, so the next time you go to a Bon Jovi show, just ask to pee. <laughs> <laughs> and off you go, you know? I'm going to try it. I'm definitely going to try it. It, it's the greatest. It's the greatest thing ever. Oh, here I, I just found it. The um, because we can tour, ah, uh, right. uh, uh, February thirteenth, two thousand thirteen, twenty six songs. So th you got to see that was really early on in in the uh, the tour. Then that was one of the first shows. Yeah, and they they did twenty six songs. And if you if you look at the other shows after that. Uh, you know, here I'm just going to randomly click on one. You know, you're looking at you're looking at other sets. That they're they're doing 22, 23. So that one just went on and on and on. It was great. I loved it. So no, listen, I've had I've had a lot of great Bon Jovi experiences over the years. I uh, I don't buy into the whole thing. Bon Jovi is rich, you know. Bon Jovi, like Kiss, like Judas Priest, is a collective, and you need all the parts working together to make it work. It is a brand. People, oh, it's a band. No, it's a brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, when John goes out solo, he doesn't get 40,000 people in the stadium. Uh, when Richie goes out solo, he doesn't get 40,000 people in the stadium. When Richie and John go out together, they get 40,000. Why? Because it's called Bon Jovi. And so um, people buy into the brand, whether they realize it or not. And I think the Bon Jovi brand is still valid. I think it's still uh, working, uh, functioning at a high level. Um, the only thing I would say is maybe get less people on stage. I'm not sure we need, uh, uh, Phil X and John Shanks or Bobby Bandieras or like, let's get back to maybe being a five piece rather than a 87 piece. But other than that, you know, whatever. Yeah. I I'm happy. Well, I ask another question. I have my last two more. So first one. Your favorite album, Bon Jovi album, and why? Slippery when wet. Uh, easy uh, to 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 say because it is where it got started. Yeah. Uh, um, I saw the video, like I said. I bought the cassette, and it just it it impacted the entire everything. Uh, I know some people will argue that Bad Medicine is better, and some will say uh, These Days is better, and some will say Keep the Faith is better. All great albums, and I love them all um, uh, differently. But if it wasn't for that video of You Give Love a Bad Name turning my brain to on, uh, none of this would have would have happened. So it by far has to be. And, you know, and, and yes, fans will say this. They should have put Edge of a Broken Heart on. Yes, absolutely, they should have put Edge of a Broken Heart on. Uh, but I like Social Disease. I think Social Disease is a perfectly fine. People seem to rag on that, so I like that song. You know, bugger off. It's a good song. <laughs> it's better than Unbroken, put it that way. <sighs> Anything's better than Unbroken. <laughs> so that is, that is awful. And and I I haven't really paid much attention to whatever the second one is, Limitless. Limitless, but yeah. But I paid like 30 seconds of attention. I'm just like, oof. <laughs> Let's hope those Japanese bonus tracks are <laughs> going to save the day. Yeah, none of them are set in the world. 
on fire early Ardy. Um and then no. the last one that I always ask, and it kind of stumps some people, but if you've got your um playlist, it might be a bit easier for you. So top five Bon Jovi songs. Top five Bon Jovi songs, huh? That's a good question. All right, let me let me uh, let me put the the playlist on the forefront here. Let's let me have a look through this. All right, we're gonna do this the right way. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. So, listen, you're gonna have to go with some of the classics. Uh, obviously, you're gonna have to go with uh, "Living on a Prayer." There's no there's no choice. Um, but I'm gonna try to give you some 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 different ones that that people might not remember so okay here, here let's go with this uh just older mm-hmm. uh a much maligned song in in the canon but I, I think that it just sort of represents who i am in my life you know uh, you know I'm, I'm still mitch i'm just mitch just older and yeah it's hokey and whatever or you could be considered being hokey i just think it's it's I just think it brings true. Um, what else? Uh, Shot Through the Heart is definitely uh, a great underrated song, you know, uh, terrific. Um, boy, okay, what else? What else can we give you here? Because uh, we all want to say It's My Life. We all want to say Wanted, Dead, or Alive. So, all right, let me, let me try to be different. Um, okay, here's one that folks may not know uh, on a single now it was a it was a john bon jovi single he released a song called i talk to jesus yeah. as a demo that is a great song now take a, take out any religious connotations because i'm not i'm not doing the whole bible thumping thing that's just a good tune yeah that's that's just a fun fun tune you know um boy Okay, here's another one. Another demo, Love is War. Oh, my, what a song. New Jersey. Well, should have been on New Jersey. Yeah, should have been. Lo- Love is War is a terrific, terrific song. All right, so uh, how, how many are we up to now? It's That's three or four? Four, I think, yeah. Love is War. I haven't heard that phrases. All right, because so, right, I'm, I'm doing my best to not, because listen, it's very easy to say, I love It's My Life, you got you could love a bad name. All right, so we know we love those ones, so let's 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 put those aside. Let's yeah. go not notwithstanding. <laughs> um, how about this These Days demo, Prostitute? Okay. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. That's a goodie. Uh, prostitute's a goodie. Um <laughs> Don't don't soundbite that, please. <laughs> um, you know that, that'd be very bad. Uh, and you know what? Let's let's give some love to Burning Bridges. Fingerprints is a damn great song that deserves to be to be listened to. So so notwithstanding the classics, the Runaways, and all that, yeah. I'll, I'll give you those as my in these arms. I'll give you in these arms too. There you go. Right. I've I've thrown a few extra goodies at you. You know what I've noticed throughout this podcast is that both of us kind of, and I've said this on a couple, that Bon Jovi don't release some of the best songs. So, for instance, you know, like, Into the Echo was, you know, like a Japanese edition. It it wasn't on a a, a proper studio album. Love is War, Edge of a Broken Heart, you know, like, one of my favourite ever songs. I don't know if you've heard it is Nothing off the Have a Nice Day. 
that was like a, a it was just a demo it wasn't even like a b-side or anything i just think there's so many songs that the band haven't put on albums or have you yeah. know never even released you know we've kind of just heard it through luck really on some songs it's it's mad how many yeah, i've got i've out. got nothing i've got nothing for you oh what a song ain't that oh ain't that a great song nothing just uh, like it, uh, that's definitely in my top 10 ever let's see let's see if i can fast forward this a bit let's see There you go. It's just, it's just a perfect song. I love the end, like the outro and how he shouts it. And it is. Yeah, it's a great song. That just, why wasn't that put on, put on the album? And you've got, you know, Last Cigarette or something that could have maybe come off. You know, Last Cigarette is a song that I refuse to put in my playlist. <laughs> but, <laughs> Out of principle. Okay. But but yeah, nothing is a great song. It nothing is. is a great song. Uh, Lonely at the top. There's a, you know that that Bon Jovi uh, a million fans can't be wrong yeah. box set is is or a hundred million fans or whatever it was, yeah. is it, it, great. It's it, it, they have a lot of unreleased stuff on there that is absolutely fantastic. And listen, I love bounce. I love I, the, the you know complicated. It's yeah. Complicated. Oh, yeah. There's so many. So many unreleased demos, or, or, well, I guess they're released as B-sides, but Wedding Day, Prostitute, Lonely at the Top, um, some of the Crush demos. Um, yeah. Neurotica in particular, for me and Stay. They oh, no, 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 not, not, yeah, th yeah, those two, but no, the, um, uh, the Bounce demos, or what were they, uh, like Dance or... Um, yeah, we can dance and like postcards from the Wasteland, um, live. Yeah, they... Yeah, they had so so many great. Let me see if I can find a list of the demos real quick because uh, we got to talk about those here. Hold on a second, well, Lost Highway. While you look for that, I've got another question, and it's an album that we've missed out, and I don't know how. Uh, we've spoke about the classics. This left feels right. What do you oh, think of that album? All right, all right. Uh, let's let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, all right, let, let me see because I, I uh, it's. It's it's a horrible album, <laughs> but but uh, I will say this: uh, you listen to uh, some of the songs, like the "You Live Love a Bad Name" version. I can see what they were trying to do. Uh, I would have approached it differently, but uh, you know, again, if you decontextualize them and throw them in a playlist uh, with some other ones. It turns out okay. So, you know, I'm just trying to see which ones I, I've put in here. This left feels I'm right. I'm going to be really controversial here, and you probably might end this podcast, but <laughs> I prefer the Once a Dead or Alive version of This Left Feels Right than the original. You prefer which one? Once a Dead or Alive. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. That's I don't know. I just, I, I've never connected <laughs> with the Once a Dead or Alive studio, uh, studio single for some reason. I don't think it's bad. It just it's just not one of my top ones that a lot of people seem to but I I absolutely love the this left feels right version. Well I'll tell you one thing. Uh Wanted Dead or Alive on the Lost Highway Japanese tour edition, there is yeah. a stripped version. Yeah. Which is great. On the um I guess Wanted Dead or Alive single back of the day, there was an acoustic version, which was fantastic. I I, I I love that song, but I do seem to love 
different versions of it than yeah, he, same. you know. I, I don't dislike it. I mean, don't get me wrong. That that album was perfect, but um, the acoustic version that was on the CD single or the cassette single or whatever it was, to me, that's the ultimate version. I think that's the better version. You know. Now I'm trying to I'm trying to find where where I've hidden these. Uh, 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 this oh here this all right. So I had the born to be my baby. And here let me let me punch it out. Yeah, I don't mind that actually. Yeah, it works. I have it in my playlist right after Silent Night. Here's a good song. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a good album. Now let me see here. What were we talking about? We were talking about Bounce, right? Um, the this left feels right. Yeah, but also Bounce. Let's see what we have. I know it doesn't have all the the the. I don't have a list of all the demos for it, but no regrets, uh, yeah. dance, and all those, those. Those were all those bounce demos were were terrific. Um, standing, that's another good one. Uh, no, no, I'm still, st yeah, that's a good one. Um, let's see here. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. This is not not professional, but we're gonna look. Uh, bon Jovi bounce uh, B sides. I guess that'll that'll be my search parameter. All right, let's see what do we got here. Standing, we can dance. No, lucky, lucky's a good lucky, one too. Yeah, alive. Oh, alive is a good song yeah, too. I really like that. Yeah, alive is a great song. How does it? Oh yeah. See, it you're reminds right. me of a crush type of B side. That one as well. Just a bit of attitude to it. Yeah, so they 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 put all the crap shit, <laughs> crap stuff on the <laughs> Bon Jovi. You know, Bon Jovi instead of doing uh, this left feels right, they should do this B side feels right and put out put out a compilation of all. The, they really should put out a compilation of all the um, all the B sides. They should just package it up as a greatest hits and say, you know, the other side of Bon Jovi or whatever kind of you know, silly marketing thing and then do it because there's, there's a lot of great songs out there that people aren't hearing alive. That song alive is brilliant. Like, how is that not on a record? There's, there's so many, there's just so many, um, you know, even on the actual, um, the, the proper version Ooh. of have a nice day, dirty little secret wasn't on it. Like that is just, again, probably in my yeah. You see, and that's the thing. That's why when you ask me about albums, I have to refer to the Japanese versions because yeah. a lot of these songs are on the Japanese version and they make the album. These days, without All I Want Is Everything or without Bitter Wine is not as good. Uh, the Crush album without Neurotica is not as good. Uh, have a Nice Day without Dirty Little Secret and the other one, not as good. Here, Oh yeah. There, okay. listen to uh, I'm listening to a live right now. Listen to that. It's just it's it's I don't know why they leave these songs off. Well, I think they they they're they're really aiming for that hot AC adult contemporary market yeah. and the problem is is that even uh not to be derogatory but even the soccer mom uh, they, they, you know, they still like a good little rock song, a little rock ditty. You don't have to be so syrupy all the time, you know, just because 
you know, mom turned 40 doesn't mean that she's not still a rocker at heart. So this whole, oh, well, we got to do a lot of balance. Not when, yeah. yeah, but no. Yeah. You know, you can do, you can do a uh, dirty little secret and, um, what was this? What was the, the, the ballad on that one? Nothing. Uh, no, yeah, no, no, nothing was, was not on the album. Oh, sorry. Um, on the, uh, I want to be loved. Have a nice day. The ballad on, uh, uh, the one that they did with, um, who says you can't go home? Well, it's not really a ballad, but yeah, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to do like all bells, this stuff. Bells of freedom and yeah. like that, isn't it? But anyway, so so a lot of a lot of great stuff. So, listen, I I, I love Bon Jovi. I, I love I I I I have my crazy 480 song playlist that I will listen to, uh, you know, all of it. Uh, you know, it's, keeps 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 me entertained. It's my, it's, yeah, just they the are a fantastic band, and you know. I, as you said, you know, we can say that there's no Richie, we can say his voice isn't the same, but I went to the shows in the summer and, and loved them just as much as I did in the first time seeing them, if not more, probably more. Um, so they're still, you know, they're still always going to be my favourite band and I'll still make sure that I buy every album and go and see them every tour as much as I can. Oh yeah, and, and I'm a total completist. I buy every album, I buy every B-side, I will search for all kinds of um, connections. So if John does a vocal on somebody else's album, uh, I'll pick it up. Um, boy, what else? Uh, what, you know, he what, what, he did. Um, uh, what was that? He he did a, a Broadway play song or something like that. Um, uh, when we were beautiful, no. Um, anyway, like all that stuff, I, I will pick it all up, uh, you know, e even the early stuff like Hollywood dreams and all, everything. I, I'm all, I'm all in. I'm sold. Was the song, so. the Broadway one, Beautiful Day, the Gary Barlow, Beautiful Day. Peter Pan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the Neverland thing. Yeah. So I, I go buy all of that stuff. I, I'm in, I'm sold. Give me, give me, you know, um, oh, here, here's a good song, by the way, that we forgot. Uh, from uh, 7800, it's uh, I don't want to fall to the fire. A lot of people dislike that one as well. But I, I oh, like it. stop it. And uh, <laughs> uh, King, of, uh, King, uh, King of the Mountain, is that it? That, that's one that a lot of people dislike. Oh, well, people need to stop disliking stuff. <laughs> you know, say it isn't so. Uh, so. So there's a lot, lot of good stuff. Yeah. And of course, um, uh, 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 Richie Sambora's last solo album was really good, you yeah, know. So was, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, nowadays was a great song. Yeah. And anyway, a lot of great Bon Jovi. The the RSO stuff was a little bit uh, tentative, but other than that, uh, I, I'm in. I'm in. I, lo I love it all. You know, I'm just looking at I'm looking at this playlist, and, and I'm, I'm loving all of this. The Father Time, In It for Love, Come On, Ballad of Youth, Rosie. There you go. Rosie should have been on 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 uh, New Jersey. See, all the good stuff that didn't make New Jersey too. Love is War didn't make New Jersey. Rosie didn't make New Jersey. You know, House of Fire didn't make New Jersey. But anyway, there we go. Absolutely but brilliant band though. Um, so yeah, listen, Mitch, it's been unbelievable to have you on. It's been fantastic. I mean, speaking about you know the b-sides and going through every album and 
the shows and everything, you know, with the story about Crush, the Crush show was just, I don't think that'll ever be topped, to be honest on here. No, that's, a great, that's a great story. I got to. <laughs> I'm gonna pat myself on the back. That is a great fucking story. I guarantee that everyone who's listening is gonna be trying that at every single show from now on, though. But you got to go to Quebec. <laughs> got to speak English. That that's that's the kicker, and it, it's it's worked repeatedly, which to this day uh, amazes the ever living daylights out. Like how does. How did they not figure that out at some point? But you it know. is unbelievable. That, like as I said, that's a, a dream come true story for for Bon Jovi fans or just fans in general, anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't think that story is ever going to be topped on this podcast, to be honest with you. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's a great story. And uh, let, let me just throw in a couple more uh, Richie ones here. Uh, uh, hard times uh, come easy. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, in it for love. There you go. Those are those are some some other Sambora classics that you got to go find. And of course, uh, my favorite, uh, Richie Sambora's Sugar Daddy. Which, <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Nowadays. 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 Nowadays Seven anyway. years gone. Yeah. Listen, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. So enjoy, folks. And enjoy Bon Jovi. And and remember when you're when you're getting too critical. Uh, just remember that someday you are all going to be like your parents longing for Dean Martin and, and Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley. And you will one day wake up and your Bon Jovis and Def Leppards won't be there and you won't have a chance to go see them. So is it 1987? No. Uh, but it's still there. I know every day that my mom, who's 79, would love to go see an Elvis Presley show. We, we have this conversation. She can't. There's no choice. And before we get to the point with Bon Jovi and all those where there's no choice, just shut up and go. Just stop with the whining, okay? You know, stop with the whining. Just go and enjoy it. Phil's great. And he's Canadian. So, boom. <laughs> well, Mitch, listen, honestly, thank you very much for coming on. I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy this podcast a lot, and it'll be out in the next couple of days, if that Yes, thank you, sir. And it was, it was a great pleasure. I, I you know, I'm very uh, tight on my time. I thought, okay, we'll get 20 minutes in and out, but I enjoyed it, so I stuck around. So compliments to you.